Released on Sunday, April 13th, 2014, in St. Louis, Missouri, This Agile Life, Episode 44. I like habits. The software industry transforms more and more every day. Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones. The question is, are you agile enough? This podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on This Agile Life. Hello, everyone. I'm the host of This Agile Life, John Sextro. Joining me today are my co-hosts, Agile Atheist on Twitter, Mr. Lee McCauley, Dr. Lee McCauley. Hey, John. Hey, Amos. Hey, Lee. Don't spit out your beer there, Amos. Grumble, grumble, grumble. And uh, Mr. Adcron on Twitter, Amos King. Grumble, 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 grumble. Why are you grumbly? Because we're going to talk about things that just irk us today, and so I'm grumbly right now. Well, maybe once we talk them out, you'll feel better and won't be so grumbly. I think end. I'm going to go home and watch uh, the Gummy Bears from Disney back in the day, and then I'll feel better. I'll be bouncing here and there and everywhere. I don't think there's any Disney Gummy Bears. Uh, you would be wrong. <laughs> okay, maybe that'll be your pick tonight. <laughs> that is, it is now. <laughs> well, we are going to talk about a pet peeve, and that particular thing happens to be moving work backwards on your Kanban board. I hate you. Sorry. Do you want to tell us a story or introduce us? I don't know if there's any specific story right now. I I see this happen frequently that something gets on the Kanban board and maybe it gets to code review or to some kind of QA column or something like that. And instead of like leaving it in that column and marking it blocked, people move it back to the beginning. And it's like my biggest pet peeve. Like I wish I could go out there. It's not my biggest pet peeve probably. It's just one that's bugging me right now. But I just I think that everybody who makes a, a an electronic Kanban system should make it nearly impossible to move anything backwards in the board. It should be like you must delete your account and retype every story in order to get it to go backwards. Because there are certain things that we do in our practices that that aren't only there to facilitate moving forward, but also to expose pain and put the pain in our face so that we can fix it so that we can be more productive. And I'm going to keep ranting and rambling if you let me go. Well, let so me, stop me when you want me to. Let me ask <laughs> you, let me be like a devil's advocate person or, or pretend like I don't know why this is bad. And then maybe you guys can coach me and, and, and tell me why it's, why it is bad. So what's wrong with that? Why can't I just, you know, I'm, I'm blocked on this story. I want to work on something else. Let me move this story back and pull something else in. Okay, so let's say it's your uh, it's your number one priority story at the beginning. Whenever you jump on the combo board, you pull it in, it's number one. You get it to the right a few spaces, and it's got work that's gone into it, and so that was time and money that went into it, and then it gets blocked for some reason. And so you move it backwards on the board instead of just blocking it in place, and you continue to work on priority six, seven, eight, nine, ten that are already in progress before you go back to that priority one and grab it. So you're muddling your priorities and hiding where the real priority is, uh, which should be that number one priority unless your customer has changed it. But also you're hiding the fact that you've already got assets, you've got you've got time and work into that piece. It's kind of like throwing it all away. And at the end of the deployment, when you're ready to deploy, if you don't have that number one thing, then is your customer going to be really happy that you got 
four, five, six, and seven. I mean, maybe that number one priority was there for a reason, but you're you're hiding priorities and you're hiding work that's already been done. Okay, so let me let me lay out a process and see if this still follows. Uh, I'm I'm going to uh, take over the role of devil's advocate for a little bit. So we get to QA, and the QA says this story is wrong for whatever reason. And uh, you could do, depending on your branching scheme and that sort of thing, you could say, well, we're going to create a, a bug story for that, and nothing ever goes backwards. That's one possible way to, to handle that. The other way you could do that is, that I've seen teams do, is say, we're going to mark this thing, we're going to put something on it that puts it at a even higher priority, no matter what priority it was before, we're going to put it at another high pr- higher priority, and we move it back to a position where it can be grabbed to work on. And if you are always pulling from the right and you're always getting the highest priority thing, like if you've got an expedite column or expedite row or something like that, then as soon as a pair frees up, they're going to grab that thing as the very next thing that comes up. And they have to, they have to grab it and it's, and it goes to the next, it goes all the way through. And in that way, you're not actually hiding anything. And in fact, you're not, uh, you're, you're keeping track of how much time you actually spent working on the thing as opposed to sitting it in QA and you know exactly what time you spent working versus QA and, and you've now got something that says, Hey, we bagged this story. This one got to QA and it was wrong. So we need to track those. So how about that? I, I think there's a third possibility there too that I want to add to this and then, and then I'll comment about it. And the, the third possibility, wait, you said send it back, mark it in place. Oh, stop the line. Everybody stops exactly what they're working on and fixes it. And I, I think that. All three of the solutions that you have don't have it moving backwards, right? You have make a new ticket for a bug. You have make it, it's like the next priority on the board as soon as someone's free. And then top priority, everything else halts. And I think that those are all fantastic choices depending on the severity of the problem. If you sit sit down and talk with the customer QA and the developers and you all decide, hey, it can go forward as is. It's still useful. There's this little corner case that doesn't quite work. And, you know, the development team saying it's going to take two weeks to fix, but we need to get it out the door. Okay, throw in a bug ticket. You can't really wait for it, but, you know, it, it's not a nothing else can move forward issue right now. Then I, I think that the be- the best option is the next pair grabs it. And then, you know, if it is the main part of your app and there is no way anything's moving forward or you've done something really stupid and you've merged it into your, your main line branch already. And it's going to be deploying in 15 minutes because you did something really awesome, which is continuous deployment. Then maybe everybody needs to stop flying and jump on that. So I think uh, it, it's ultimately a business decision, but I don't think that the story should ever go backwards on the board. So you think marking it and putting it into a different priority or doing something like that is actually kind of making it a new story? No. So when I mark it, I don't move it. It doesn't go into a different priority. It's the priority to for anything that you pull off the board is the far right is the highest priority. So things that aren't started are on the far left, finished are on the far right. And anything that's already had progress on it is the next priority. How do you deal with stuff that to fix this thing, we had to do some things that I, I needed this to go through code review again. I need this to go through all these other process pieces again. Otherwise, so I'm not going to be happy with it. Well, it, then I think that that is a time when you 
pull the team in and kind of do a stop the line thing at that point. If you have to make those kind of changes, then maybe it is a stop the line. Well, maybe it's not that important of a story. Maybe it's not the highest priority or the biggest thing. I don't have to have this one. But, you know, yeah, it happened to be the one that was furthest on the right at the time, and it happened to be something that got brought back, but it's not going to kill me if it doesn't get into the demo on Friday. Then why did you start work on it? Because it happened to be the next thing on the line, uh, the next priority on the line at the time. Well, then I think you should just delete all of the code and drop the branch and come back to it whenever it is a priority because your branch is probably going to get stale and you're going to have other issues when you want to merge it in. If you're if you're going <laughs> to, what do you mean by stale? If you're going to leave it for like two or three days, sure. Well, if you're going to leave it for an hour, you might as well leave it right in its spot and have everybody take a look at it. The same staleness yeah. issue comes in if you're going to put it back. Uh, if you're going to write a, a a bug card or change somehow change it and have it manifest as a new story and put it back, whatever, are you going to also throw away whatever? Are you saying we accept that we're going to uh, release code that has a quality issue in it or it has a problem in it or it's incomplete and we'll fix that somewhere down the line? Because either way, I think you've lost the context of working on that and you've, you've deferred a problem that you may never readdress. You may not have the same problem later. Like that problem that is a bug, later on you get to push it off. If you're willing to push it off, you're saying that, you know, maybe I haven't learned enough to make this decision or there's a, there's a million reasons to push it off, but by the time you get back around to it, you've probably learned a little more. And yesterday me wrote shitty code and tomorrow me is not going to like it. So let's just throw it out. And move on and use it as a lesson learned. It's a spike. If you want to push it back, then just throw it away. I don't know. I'm I'm from my chair. I mean, it oh, seems like there are there are. It's times. so hard to let go of that precious code that I wrote. It's like it's like gold. It's it's not that. It's the fact that I don't have a problem having protecting context switches as long as I can as the process allows me to make it the next thing that gets pulled. So I don't want to I don't want to stop a pair from doing the extra 20, 30 minutes that they need to finish up what they're doing now and then jump on that thing. But it may require an hour of their work that they then need to do code review on and needs to go through QA again. And I want to keep track of the fact that that thing, that where what the status is of that. So if you're tracking cycle time, how does your cycle time deal with going backwards? It keeps track of how long each one of the, I'm, I'm in this case, we're using lean kit. So I'm just going to use that as an example. The, it actually does keep track of how much time you were spent in each one of those columns for each story. So it would track that, oh, you spent this much time in a working column versus a ready column. So, so you went, waiting. you went backwards and it, and it like adds on to that original timer. Yes. So you lose whenever you're looking at that, that you had a blocker really at a further point down the line, right? When you look at that graph, now it's changed and it doesn't show that, hey, it got all the way to here and then it stopped us because it's still a block if it moves backwards. Well, that's, that's so why I, you put I some think, other mark on it. Well, right. So what if you could leave it as blocked and you rework it and then you put a comment on the story saying reworked it. Here's the branch, and it needs code review. Then the next pair that comes in, they should be looking at the comments on all your tickets and everything anyway. Yeah, but they get done, at, and they say, hey, at, 
No, they say, hey, there's every a comment on every card. That well, they say that come in the next morning. They, well, it looks like it's still in QA as far as they're concerned. Well, but yeah, it's got, it's got a, block, a block. It still has a block flag on it. So they should be grabbing it next. Right. If they're free, they should grab it next. That's and then they should free. They should at least read the comment to find out why the hell it was blocked. What are they just going to like sit down and start coding shit that they just made up in their head on what was wrong? Like, that's just stupid. That is true. They, they should be looking at the block things and why it's blocked. So, there's another pet peeve. God damn it, just read the freaking comments. Oh, you need to, like, beep everything out I just said. Are you are you advocating, <sighs> up. Uh, are you advocating for comments now? Not in code. Oh, okay. Ooh. Whew. We're really, really getting into a pet peeve situation there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I... I don't like the idea... Uh, one of the things that I'm concerned about here is a pair or a, a, a developer giving up on something and throwing it back on the board because they feel like uh, maybe it's too hard for them. I or, don't know that he was saying that. He was saying that they wrote the code, but they would like somebody to code review it again. Listen, Mr. Talk over the, listen, Mr. Talk over the top of me. Hey, I, I wasn't done. Well, well <laughs> stop breathing between your words. <laughs> I will stop breathing. I promise. <laughs> I don't want this to become a thing that happens on the team where somebody says, oh, as soon as I get stuck, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it back. I'll put it back or I'll mark it as blocked and move on to something else because somebody else, it'll be somebody else's problem and they'll figure it out for me. Because it's hard or not glamorous. Right. But but see, that's the thing about the block sticker. Moving it back, I feel is like a throw. It's like throwing it over the wall more than a block sticker to me. It hides in the woods. It's like, hey, I'm gonna go back here and hang out with all these other guys that haven't been started and look like nobody's done anything on me, and I'm just hiding back here. Nobody will ever notice. Where sometimes you need to do things with your team that show all the pain points, and yeah, it's painful. But you need to see that pain point. You need to know that it's there. When you keep pushing them back and hiding them, people don't notice the pain points as much. It's not glaring in front of you every day. At stand-up, you're not seeing that things are blocked. It's like, hey, look, everything's hunky-dory. we got a bunch of stuff in ready. Hey, that's cool. Yeah, so that's that's the key difference is sitting in the current column is blocked, marked as blocked, and that's more evident to someone that there's a problem, and it... Uh, in theory, it takes up whip. It takes up a a whip spot, right? It takes up a work in progress spot. So the team, the developers, are forced to address it because there's a certain spot that's taken that has to be resolved before other work can continue on. And if you have a physical board, I did this before. Make a little button that you can stick up for things that are blocked. That like has a red flashing LED and maybe a little buzzer that just goes <laughs> somebody will fix that crap like now <laughs> show break your pain your make your pain apparent to you and to everybody and don't be ashamed of it because it will help you move forward it will help you be better in the long run embrace it and make it better like moving it backwards, I, I described it today to Angela Harms as it's like taking aspirin right before you go to the doctor and you get to the doctor and they take your temperature and they say, well, you don't you don't have a fever and they send you home with the wrong medicine because you covered something up. Sometimes it's, that's great. I don't like headaches either, but sometimes you need to see that pain there in order to fix it correctly. You, know, you, you don't take a bunch of steroids so you can keep running on your bum knee unless you're making a million dollars a day on that bum knee, but... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure all of your medical analogies translate into software. <laughs> I, I, moving it backwards is hiding the pain. You you use certain medicines just to hide pain, not to actually fix the problem. 
And I'm saying sometimes you need to see that pain in order to fix the problem. Okay. So I'm just I'm just not sure that the block on a story is enough visibility. So to me, if you're especially if you've got it at the QA point, so I would never I would never say that a developer would just at some point in the process say, oh, this is too hard and throw it back. But if you've got at a QA point where the developers, as far as they were concerned, they're done with it. And then the QA says, no, you're not. Then usually we would actually create a bug for that. We wouldn't, we wouldn't move it back, but I can see where a team would put that in the expedite column because they wanted to go all the way through the whole process again and pick that up next. Can we add that it should never fail in QA unless there's a misunderstanding and communication of what the actual story is. Don't put something in QA if you haven't run the code yourself. Pet peeve number two. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a misunderstanding or a missed requirement. So you're saying, Lee, you want, if the story has made it to QA, QA's testing, if the developers have kind of moved on to something else at this point, now a bug is found, you su- you're suggesting to write a bug story and to put that bug story at the back, uh, at the top of the, the board, it should be the next thing that's worked on? Yeah. I mean, that, that would be my suggestion. And you're not actually moving anything back at that point. And then the bug story, at least for us, is bright red and sits in the very top. And everybody knows that you can't do crap until that expedite column or expedite row is, is empty. I think that introduces some problems, like such as what if we want to release the code right away? Well, what's interesting is, okay, so here is, here's the situation that we're in right now. And you guys can, can coach, coach me on what the, the better solution is. So, uh, we started out our project with a process that would not, uh, that everything was done on a, on a story branch all the way through QA. So the QA was, was QAing it right on the story branch so that if there was a problem, it has not yet gotten to our demo server, which for us is essentially continuous, in, uh, continuous deployment. It automatically goes to a cloud server and the customers can see it anytime. That's win number one. I think that yep. you're on the right track. So that's the way we started. The problem was is that for various reasons that we don't need don't have time to go into here, we kept getting a backlog in QA. So namely because the QA had to switch contexts and had to deploy stuff so that that particular story was the one that that the QA was looking at on their system. And we, at the beginning of the project, we were still working out what that automatic deployment process was. And so every time you would, you would uh, review a single story, it would take way too long. So the team decided, and I'm not completely certain that this was the right decision or not, but the team decided that at the point where they put something, they were done with code review and it was ready to be QA'd, at that moment, it would go to master. And that, uh, I see, I see Amos shaking his head. And that, uh, so maybe you can coach us on the, on the right way. But at the time, mm-hmm. This this actually allowed us to speed up the process with the understanding that this isn't live production. This is a demo box that we're going to, and it's okay if the customer sees some stuff that isn't quite right with the understanding then that we create a bug story, it goes in the expedite, and that has to go all the way through before you pick up anything else. And that, as soon as that gets into uh, review QA, it's gotten into master too. Hopefully, you know, that's a fairly short turnaround. So how many systems does QA have to test on? One. Why couldn't they have two? 
one to be deploying the next thing that they're going to test and one to test the current thing they're testing. Who can do QA? Well, anybody can, but oh, at the moment oh, we had a we had that, a particular QA person that was uh, in charge of doing that. But you said the magic word, anyone can. So that says to me that, well, QA is backed up. Somebody should be helping them out. Maybe the but but the problem yeah, is we still only have we still only have one QA we only had one QA environment someone can't actually QA it on a local dev box they have to QA it on a real environment because that's part of what the QA process is is that we've got everything right. all hooked up and so there was a essentially a f- enforced WIP limit of one in QA so I th- I think that it sounds like to me that. By making a second environment to deploy to, unless unless making a second environment is far more expensive than, you know, a couple hours of the QA person's time or the team's time or anything, then you're probably good to, to build a second environment. And does the QA person need to deploy to those? Or is there a way that you could automate that as part of your continuous deployment? I push a story branch, a feature branch, whatever you want to call it, and that gets deployed out. Well, so the problem is, is that uh, if each one of your your feature branches or your story branches, we were doing in stories at the story level so that we didn't have feature branches. The story level branches, we would have to then create a series of, of in our case, Jenkins jobs that would work on each one of those in case we had multiple stories going through. And if a story is only going to last a few hours, then it wasn't practical for us to create a set of Jenkins jobs for each one of those. Now, what we did do is we created uh, Jenkins jobs that were parameterized so that we could deploy any particular uh, story we wanted, but it was still one at a time. Yeah, what I'm hearing your problem is, Lee, is that you have to have these stories kind of layered into the QA environment, one on top of the other, right? So as one gets done, it layers in. You can't, then someone is in there testing, validating that code. And if someone else would finish a story and let's say the automated Jenkins server would kick off a build and deploy to that environment, somebody could be testing in that environment. Yeah, I can see that. Right. Exactly. my, my big concern with just merging everything in is, let's say you have, I'll just pick number three stories that come in. And you merge them all into master to deploy to QA to test. And they, they're kind of slightly interacting with each other. So now QA goes to test them, and there's a problem. And we don't know who introduced that problem out of the three. So instead of being able to move forward with the two good stories, now I have three stories that say that they're blocked. And I've got to figure out why. Where I could have moved forward to production with the two stories that work, but now I can't. So here's the, you, the you're exactly right, Amos. In our case, all of those were essentially on master, so the particular bug that the QA would see would would generate however many bug report or bug stories that they saw. So even if I had five stories that they happen to be QAing all at the same time, because now they're all on master and they're all on QA together, and before they even got to that onto master, they had to have been merged with everything else that was already there. So that is an integrated environment for all of those stories at that time. And so the QA can actually look at several stories at once without having to redeploy. And it's pretty much already, it can automatically deploy at that point. They don't have to kick it off manually. So then if they see one particular bug, they can write a bug, a bug story for that one thing. Everything else continues on. It has sped up the process, at least for us. But I also have to say that while it hasn't bitten us yet, I am fearful 
at all moments that you could have something that goes to master that's going to break everything. And, and I don't, I, I just see a lot of times that there are things that on the surface of the code or of the, the application don't appear to be interrelated. But the bug actually is like somewhere underneath whenever you merge these two in, this happens, but alone they work fine. So you have that choice of whichever one's a higher priority, we'll go ahead and merge it in and then work, rework the other one to work with it. I totally see that. Uh, for us, we don't have as much of an issue with that because A, we are TDD and so everything is tested with automated tests. And before I finish something up for, for code review, I'm essentially doing a QA on that. Uh, from a developer's perspective. Now, we're not doing regression tests. We're not doing a bunch of the other stuff that a QA engineer would do. But we are testing the stuff for that particular story and pulling up everything and making sure stuff still works and running all of our automated tests at, with, emerged from whatever was in, is currently in master before we actually then merge it into master with it. So we're kind of doing a QA before it ever gets that far. And so to, that's kind of protected us. And so we're not quite as fearful of it, but that's kind of, we've kind of gotten off this topic here. I really would like to know if there's a better solution for, for what we've got that doesn't involve this complex mer, uh, branching scheme. I would try to add a second QA environment and just see how that works personally. Like, I'm not going to say it, John. I'm going to let you say it because you put the words in the in the, our discussion topics about your question there. Does writing writing bugs defer the feeling of pain of an issue? Yeah, I mean that was that was the thought I was having as I was actively listening to the conversation. Was isn't that an avoidance? Kind of an escapism behavior where you're, you're like, well, if I, if I release something that's crappy or if, if I don't spend as much time work focused on quality with this, it's okay because what'll happen is somebody will find that bug and then they'll just write a bug card and it'll go back and we'll take care of it as opposed to forcing the team to feel the pain of solving so that, the problem right that, there. That's why I like to stop the line. I think when you start doing this, it, everything should be stopped the line because it should show you where your pain points are so that you can fix them. What if you find out that every day we have three stories that are stopped line and they're all around maybe the same functionality of your application? Hey, now we have something that we should probably focus on and it's like really in your face or... God forbid, it's always coming from the same two guys. Every time they pair together, then we have a stop-the-line issue. But it, it throws itself in your face. So I, I think that the, at least for my team, I know every time they see a red card up in that expedite row, they're embarrassed. And everybody reads what that bug is because they want to know, did I do that? And so they're feeling pain on that, at least psychologically. So I, I don't think it's quite as bad as that. But the, your Amos, your point is well put that you still you could do the same thing with a block and that might have the same effect and people would would experience it more by you having like the separate column and maybe a different colored card that goes back at the beginning i don't see it as much uh, it is very much like a blocked right but it's got its own cycle time and everything like that so as far as your tracking goes i think that you might lose something there maybe that, that's true that is an issue but we also get to, get to keep track of how many bugs did we actually, how many things got to QA and were wrong. You can still probably find a, another way to track that. Sure. I think from a pure lean, from a pure Kanban approach, the, the answer that a purist would give 
is that it has to sit there and be corrected because you're generating waste. You're generating waste by shuffling code around. You're potentially wasting work that was done because you may never actually fix that bug or someone may decide to throw that work away as Amos was discussing, which I don't have a problem with throwing work away, generally speaking, but I don't want to do it too often. I mean, I'm not afraid to throw something away that I've written. It's not that. It's that I don't want to lose the effort. I don't want to lose the work that the team has done. If I was on an assembly line, a real assembly line, and every time there was a defect in a product, we threw it away, that would become very expensive, right? So think about it in terms in some of those terms when you're when you're asking yourself these questions. What would they do on a real assembly line? And while it's not always the same and the answers aren't the same because software is very malleable, we need to be careful about waste. We need to be careful about throwing work away. And we need to be careful about creating certain behaviors on a team that aren't necessarily what we want. I guess that's just my perspective. I, I think all practices are in place to try to generate a behavior that you want. That they, otherwise, why are we doing them? And so I think that we need to look at that and make sure that we are using it to generate a behavior, not hide a behavior. So how does limiting WIP and uh, maybe ignoring WIP limits fit into this whole discussion? Because I think it does. And I think what I've seen before is that people will say, say there's a blocked story on the board, they'll go, oh, I'm going to ignore the WIP limit because, well, that that block, that story's blocked, but uh, I really need to get on to this other thing. And I only already worked on the story that was blocked, so I can't work on that. I've got, I'm, I've got to work on something else. So I'm going to ignore the WIP limit and I'm going to overload that particular column. Again, priorities don't matter. If you're willing to say, I don't want to deal with that one, even though it was a higher priority, I'm just going to pull in this new thing. Priorities no longer mean anything. Are you draconian about the enforcement of your WIP limits? Am I draconian? Is that what you said? Yes. Uh, I try to be. Are you you medieval about the enforcement of your WIP limits? Yeah, sometimes it's really hard. Uh, to get people to follow that one. That's, that's one of the ones that seems really easy to do, or you're like, oh, I'm, I'm busy. And, and so I'm going to go do this other one. Or what I've seen a lot is this ticket involved some task that is semi-automated, but takes an hour. And so I went ahead and pulled this other one in. Well, if that task takes an hour, maybe you should spend that time trying to figure out how to make that task not take an hour. Or refactor, look at your tests. Just while that task is running, there's always stuff that you can do on the thing you're working on. I think that too many times we push off the refactoring anyway. So so take that time to fix some tech debt. So I think I have to say that in the last two projects that I've been on, we did not have whip limits, with the possible exception of if we had something like the, the QA thing where we had a whip limit of one in that particular spot. But other than that, we had no whip limits, and we never needed them. The reason is because we were always pulling from the right, and everybody was good about actually doing that. So as soon as something got moved, the next thing that got pulled was the thing that was furthest on the right anyway. And so you, we never had any issue with whip limits. Well, I, I think that's where I was talking about part of some of our processes are in order to generate a behavior. And a whip limit is supposed to help generate that behavior of pulling from the right and getting things done instead of letting them pile up in like code review because a lot of people don't like to do code review. 
At least so, that's a common column I see people skip. So we did that. To, we do whip limits to try to generate the behavior that you're talking about your team already has. So maybe you don't need it. And that, I think that's fantastic. But it's also an easy place to find yourself in. Fair enough. I seem to find that most teams that I've been a part of, when we do have whip limits, I haven't had the same experience, Lee. I've had, I've definitely had the need for whip limits. And without exception, every time I've had a whip limit, the whip limit has been exceeded without consultation. It's just been, well, it doesn't matter, you know. I like systems that that enforce the whip limit. Most of them today, any, many that I've worked with, I'll just do something like uh, make the column red. Oh, or, I hate you, Jira. Or flash or, <laughs> or whatever, but they don't really enforce it. They just bark at you a little bit and then say, are you sure you want to do this? You're going to exceed the whip limit of this column. And you're like, yes. <laughs> I uh, and and this I think message. that's the big thing is it's not a team decision usually to exceed the t- the whip limit. You're taking it upon yourself to say, you know what? I know the whole team says that we should only have two things in this column, but I'm going to go ahead and put four because screw you guys. I know better than all of you combined. And, and that is really sad. I've never seen it as a as a team thing. It always seems to be a single person. And the whip limit it should point out that single person on your team. Hey, I think the system should send an email to everyone else on the team saying, hey, the whip limit was exceeded by this guy moving this into this column. <laughs> and he didn't take anything out of it. The, the board should immediately schedule a retrospective with the team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to discuss the, uh, the enforcement of whip limits. Are you saying that the coaching job should now start going to automated systems, John? I think we can start to build some expert systems around uh, the enforcement of, <laughs> of agile practices, of agile behaviors. But it won't, if we it put won't the word agile in front of it, it'll sell, right? Isn't that what we learned a couple weeks ago? Exactly. <laughs> it'll sell for twice the dollar amount, too. Yay! So so I have to say, here's here's one of the things that I've been kind of pushing recently, which is not calling them practices. Because to me, it's the wrong word. For I me, agree. I like habits. I like behaviors. Behaviors. I like habits just because that's what I try to get my teams into. So that they're not even thinking about about the process. It's just a habit. It's muscle memory. Oh, grab the next thing on the board to the right. Oh, yeah. I was yep. conf- I was Without- confused. I-, I thought you meant the things that nuns wear. Oh. <laughs> get, get, I think that all the processes should help you get rid of the time period in between productivity. The the thought process of like like pair switching. Like we're going to pair switch every 2 hours. Okay, somebody's got to track that 2 hours. Well, no, let's automate it off. Okay, well, now we spend 10 minutes talking about who we're going to work with. Well, let's come up with a system. Right. In order to pair switch without thinking, because that shouldn't waste our time. That part shouldn't waste our time. Let's let's get to the real thinking and the fun thinking. But I always like to sit back and say, you know, we got to favor people over process. Right. So that's where I say whip limit. Not having it seems to work for you, Lee. Fantastic. Maybe every once in a while you throw one on there for a month just to make sure that everybody's still Doing what they think. And if you if you really aren't having any problems, then the whip limit shouldn't bother you. You should just move right through it, and it, it shouldn't even be a thought. Are you sure yeah. you don't have a problem with the whip limit? I mean, is there is it possible that there's a, a whip limit problem that's hiding because maybe you don't see it? Are you there all the time? 
Uh, I'm there pretty much all the time. You're, you're pretty present. <laughs> yeah. So it, it would be hard to hide from you. It would be hard to hide. That's good. I, I think having at least being expressive about the fact that there is a limit reminds the team, make sure that everybody's staying honest or keeping honest, if you will. But again, if you don't need it, if you don't have a problem, there's no reason to cram limits and rules and processes down people's throat. Just if, if things are working, leave it alone, right? Let it go. So I have to say at the beginning of projects, I have had to question people and say, why did you pull that story over? So I'm kind of paying attention of what's getting pulled and, and how things are going all the whole day. And if someone does kind of go against that habit that I'm trying to instill, I will ask, why did you do that? And I would say nine times out of 10, they go, oh, I, we didn't see that one or, ooh, we, sorry. And then they'll, they will move the story that they just moved. They'll move it. Ah! Did you just okay, say backwards? I did. That's why I said When a that. problem comes along, you must whip it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> The That's, point is, is that they didn't hadn't actually done anything on it yet, so they just put it back. Up, oh, that card was moved erroneously, and then they pull the right one. It was a false uh, start. Uh, okay, I'll give you that. That's what we call the false start. That's one of those teachable moments where you recognize that something has occurred, something has gone afoul, and you start to question someone about, "Hey, why did you pull that particular story?" And they're like, "Uh, what should I have pulled?" And then you can get into the teachable moment. Well, you see, we pull things in priority and da 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 da. Yep. This week's hottest picks. All right, so let's do our picks, guys, and I will go first tonight. I've got a couple. I've got three, I guess, now. I've kind of accumulated them as we were talking during the show. My first pick is a sitcom called Silicon Valley. I started watching it the other night. It's on HBO if you happen to have access to. HBO. I know not everyone does. Maybe somehow you can uh, get these on torrent sites. I don't advocate for that. <laughs> Just pointing out that they might be out there. Uh, I've got a link to the show in our show notes. My second one is this funny little video uh, that a coworker of mine shared with me a few weeks back, and it was it's called a conference call in real life. It's uh, it's a blast. Check it out. I think you'll appreciate it if you've spent any time at all on a conference call. You'll like it. And since uh, we talked a lot about Kanban and limiting WIP, I thought I would suggest that you look up your local limited WIP society and maybe attend a meeting. We have one in St. Louis. A friend of the show and host, Jason Tice, helps organize that with also another host, Nate Mackey. Did you call Jason a friend? Yeah, I did. You got a problem with that, Ginger? (laughs) (laughs) No, I like Jason. Okay. I was just talking about how awesome Jason is today. I can't believe I'm admitting to that. I must have had one too many beers. All right. Well, those are my picks. Amos, what do you got for us? Okay. So my pick is also a video that uh, I was became aware of. Obviously, as what happens with almost all videos, I'm like the last person to know that something is really cool. So this one is, if you go out to YouTube and look for The Expert, uh, if you ever want to show non-technical people what it's like being in a project requirements meeting and you be and being the expert and understanding how inane some of the questions and conversation seems to the expert, this is a great a great video. You should go check it out. I like that it's not just the questions that he gets. 
But the responses to the things he says, you know, like, that's impossible. Oh, are you sure? <laughs> like, yep. You what? said six months. I think you could do it in four hours. <laughs> We're giving uh, folks a lot of things to watch tonight. All right, Amos, what are your picks? Oh, I don't know. I, I've got a lot of stuff, but since we're talking about people watching things, I will find a, a link to it. But I, I'm just, sometimes you need to stand back from your board and just, just take a look at it. Just look at it. So there's a guy on YouTube. Take a look at it. You'll just have to, you know, stand back, take a good look at it. Just look at it. It'll be good. Look at it. <laughs> and then, you know, before the, Show started tonight. John told me there's no such thing as gummy bears. The cartoon, so the the old gummy bears cartoons are my my other pick for the night. I think that we we talked about that during the show. Did we talk about and, that? Okay, well then, and, fantastic. It wasn't before the show, and I still don't believe you that they're gummy bear, <laughs> Disney gummy bears. And I'm just gonna throw it out, and this is probably gonna be a perpetual pick for me. But the one hour pair switch, you should just pair switch every hour. <laughs> so how are you going to prove to me that there are Disney gummy bears? Uh, I'm going to go on Wikipedia. Yeah, because anything on the internet is true. I used to watch it when I was a kid. All right, well, we'll see. You sound like my sister-in-law. She always makes me prove everything to her. Like, Smurfette was the girl Smurf because she wasn't really a Smurf. She was created by Gargamel. I don't really want to hear that I'm like your sister-in-law, by the way. (laughs) She's cuter than you are. Well, I mean, that's not hard. There you go. The Adventures of the Gummy Bears. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. That's all we have time for for this episode. Check out thisagilelife.com. You can find the show notes for this episode and for all our past episodes. Thanks for listening and keep living this agile life. This Agile Life is brought to you by a community of agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.